Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour One Podcast. This might be college football, Welcome. We've made it to Thursday. You didn't think we would do it? I knew we would. Thanks so much for being a part of our program. We have a lot to tell you. There's a uh, great deal of news happening, and most of it, many, many of the stories are coming from Alabama. Let's get started right away. Several Alabama players have declared for the draft. J.C. Latham, yeah, you may have remembered him on the final play Monday afternoon. Dallas Turner, Braswell, Kool-Aid, Terrion. Saw Terrion right before the game. He was loose. He, he had a huge season. Biggest story in college football. How about this? Judkins. One of the top players in the SEC has hit the portal. What is all this about? We'll try to tell you later on. And Brian Kelly has some decisions to make. Scott Rabelais joining us later on. He needs a new defensive coordinator. Well, he's needed that all year. And uh, look at this. Uh, the defense ranked 81st. When was the last time an LSU defense ranked that? And won 10 games. Why I almost missed the four-team playoff, almost. Yeah, SEC did pretty well during the four-team playoff. First year and the last year, the bookends. Oh, well, there was a two Clemson victories, which I don't recognize officially. <laughs> LSU got in there. Georgia, only twice. And all the sports other than football and basketball, men's basketball, that is, are staying with ESPN. New deal announced today. Big deal. Very big deal. Who's dropping by here? How about Topmeyer? He has some words to say about Tommy Reese's call. How about Reese Davis, the voice of college football for ESPN, and Scott Rabelais on the bayou. Let's get to the calls at 855 242 285 on this 4th of January. Let's check out Kyle first up in Houston. Good afternoon, Kyle. Paul, Paul, Paul. Fighting Texas Aggie here down in Houston. I just wanted to give a shout out to my boy, Resurrection Ray, and also to tell you that I am sick and tired of these Longhorns fans thinking they've got something to talk about when they come to the SEC. First of all, they're on the trajectory of the, as the same as Fisher was with Sark. Um, they haven't even won a bowl game under this guy. Win a bowl game before you can start talking trash about A&M. So I'm just going to tell you here right now, the Aggies are going to take them down come November 30th. It will be a, a game to remember. Paul, I'm out. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. 
Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of just skipping right past the, the whole season to get to that one game that matters the most, huh? Let's uh, check in with Guy, who is in Ohio. Hi, Paul. How are you today? We are doing great. Thank you. Hey, the reason why I'm calling is is because the last three days I've been hearing about all these excuses why Alabama lost, and nobody has given Michigan any credit whatsoever for winning that game, which was, I think, one of the best college games I have ever seen. What is your opinion on that, Paul? Well, I don't think it's too hard to give Michigan credit. Uh, they, uh, they, won every, they, they won every battle, the, the coaching battle, the line of scrimmage battle, the quarterback battle, the defensive battle. Uh, it, to me, it wasn't really – I mean, I know the game went into overtime. Uh, yeah, but, Paul – uh, I thought it was all Michigan. If that pass would have been batted down, the game was over. True. If they would have stopped Blake Corm on fourth down, the game was over. It was a great battle, and uh, uh, I, I think, I mean, the, the fans are overreacting, you know, like uh, given the, uh, the coaches. Uh, there's a couple raw deals, I think. but Well, but, but uh, you, you have to understand something, game. though. Yeah. Guy, you're a Big Ten fan. Are you a Big Ten fan? I'm a Big Ten fan, yes. Well, well let me explain something to you. I mean, big, for the Big Ten, winning the Rose Bowl is like a big deal. If you're in the SEC, not playing for the national championship and winning it is a big deal. So you have a different scale than, than we do. Uh, we, we, we look at that as a failure the other night. You look at it as the, the greatest accomplishment the Big Ten's had in years. Uh, so that, therein lies the difference. Thank you for checking in with us. Uh, Zach is in Louisiana. Hello, Zach. What's going on, Paul? Hey there. Good to hear, good to hear from you. How's the, uh, how's the cult going? Uh, I am perfectly healthy again. Only took three weeks. <laughs> I was just uh, just wanted to talk about the uh, Michigan Alabama game a little bit. Of course. Yeah, but I was just thinking, Paul. I mean, I know a couple people have been calling in telling you, man. But I mean, uh, I think you were talking a lot of trash about Alabama. I mean, uh, about Michigan going up to that game, and now it's it's kind of you just kind of change change your course with that. Well, there's no changing course. Uh, I'm simply reacting to what I saw. Yeah. Well, let, let me know, ask man. you a question. I think, I think should I should, the, I, uh, should I be waterboarded for picking Alabama to win? Uh, if if so, I'm 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 willing to be it. Uh, do, you, do you think, Randy, that, that's necessary? <laughs> nah. I mean, nah, Michigan I fans. I mean, they they want a pound of flesh, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I will be in Ann Arbor in a couple of weeks. Uh, I've got a, I'm doing a concert tour up there, so people can come out. I mean. If they, if they treat me any better when I go to Ann Arbor than they did when they were throwing things at me during the Rose Bowl parade, then I'll feel right at home. Uh, they, they might get you, Paul. I wouldn't go out there. I'm not afraid of no Michigan fans. <laughs> hey, seriously, I, I'm, I, 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 I've got a pretty quiet January now that I, I don't have to cover the national championship game. So if you guys, uh, if some... Uh, Entrepreneur in Michigan uh, will make me the right deal. I'll be I'll be there next next week to welcome the national championship national champs back. You gonna uh, you gonna watch the national championship? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean I'd rather not come until the weekend, but yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a gig if you guys have a, a big that would be pretty fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, that way, just just get it out of your system. Uh, come come on out, and, and you'll pay you'll, you'll pay a lot of money to come on out. I promise you, <laughs> we're not doing we're not doing a charity event. You gonna watch the game, Paul? What's that? 
you going to watch the national championship? Uh, no, I've got, uh, I'm watching uh, the Taylor Swift Eras Tour on uh, Amazon Prime next Monday night. Oh, Lord. You know, I didn't even know that was coming there. My girl might make me watch that with her, too. Yeah, no, I, I've been waiting to watch that. I've got a, I've got a three-hour window Monday night that I originally had planned on uh, doing something else. So I'm, I'm catching up on Taylor Monday night. Is it on Netflix or Amazon? I can't remember which one it is. Which one? Who would have known Paul was a Swifty? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> all right, Paul, I'll let you go. <laughs> You're so mean. Uh, we'll, uh, we will take a short break. We have a lot to do. Uh, Blake Topmeyer, bottom of the hour. We're back after this. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com Paul. That's HIMS.com Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com Paul. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. And we are back and we continue with more of your phone calls. I don't know why I'm speaking staccato, but I am. Uh, Bash is up next in Boulder. Hello, Bash. What's up, my Bash Brother Paul? How's it going today? Bash Brother Bash. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Paul. Now, uh, oh, yeah. I want before I get started, I want to start my call by saying thoughts and prayers to Larry and Shelby, who's in the hospital today. Right. And I uh, want to make sure everything goes well for him, and we're thinking about you, Larry. Now, Paul, I think the last couple days we've done a great job, deservingly, of bashing Bama for their performance that they – placed on Monday. So how about let's take a break and let's, I mean, ask you some questions about Michigan real quick. Okay. What would you, what would you, as, as a unbiased professional you are, what would you honestly grade Michigan's offensive performance Monday? Well, uh, it's a result oriented situation because the winner advances. So I'd give them pretty high marks, although it was uh, chaotic at times. 
Maybe a B, 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 B minus, something like that. A B minus. So the offense that played the second half of the Rose Bowl that didn't, um, before they scored the final touchdown, Paul, tell me, how many points did they score that second half? Not many. I mean, but I don't really understand your point, Bash. It's, it's a continuum, uh, and I'll, 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 I'll quote Herm Edwards here for the first and only time in my life. You're trying to win. The, you're trying to win the game, Bash. It's not. This is not a. You're trying to win the game. Not take here. This is not the. This is not the LSATs. Okay. It really doesn't matter whether you win the uh, the high the high the highest score. It's whether you win the game. By the way, that may be the only contribution to mankind Herm Edwards has ever had. I agree with that. He was also a good Arizona State coach for a while. Uh, before he was a complete disaster. Hey, hey, the disaster came after. It was a nice ride for the, for the beginning part, I'll admit. Yeah, well, one thing Herm did, he provided LSU with a great quarterback, and we are, we are in his debt. Uh, Dawson is up next in South Carolina. Hello, Dawson. Hello? Hey, good afternoon, Dawson. Good afternoon. I'm doing um, – I want to talk about Clemson and how their bowl game went today. Okay. Um, so, what do you think about how he performed and um, how Kay Clement, um brought us to that winning drive? I thought that was pretty significant, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I didn't think that he could do as well as he did, but he brought us to the win and we won the bowl. Well, Dawson, that's really good to hear. You be well. You take care of yourself. Matt is up next in San Antonio. Hey, brother. How you doing, man? I, I wanted to call and tell you guys, man, I apologize. And haven't called you so lately because I'm – I'm dealing with cell tissues. They might have figured out what's going on. They don't know for sure. The thing has to do with my lymph nodes. They look a little swollen. They look a little inflamed. I don't. They don't know for sure. So I'm gonna do some more scans. And I wanted to tell you my birthday's coming up, January 30th. And I wanted about the Carter, who's an A&M guy. You can't overlook those games because there's five games on the schedule in the Saturday season. I don't. You got LSU, Missouri, Auburn, Notre Dame, and Texas. But I think we're still going to blow out Texas. And I wanted your thoughts on Johnny Manziel's comment in that stupid long-term guy at the championship game or playoff game who got mad because he did hook him horns down, the Washington players. And look, brother, I really love you guys. You've always been my, like my brothers and my family. I wanted you to know this. I'm not trying to ignore you guys. It's just I can't talk on the phone with my hand because it hurts it after a while. Got to get some new galaxy. I got to get some new earbuds. The old ones I had broke, and I wanted you guys to know this. Paul, I'm just been dealing with a lot of psychological stuff. My dad, or not getting along because he treats me like I'm stupid. I can't understand the world because my disability. And I kind of been dealing with a lot of anger towards that as well. And I wanted you guys to know that. And one thing to Longhorn fans: hook them horns down, stop being a bunch of babies, get over us doing that to you because you haven't seen the hateful rivalry yet. SEC, but you're going to see one November 30th. Gig them. You suck. Hook them horns. Damn, ball. That's all I wanted to say. You, you, you take care of yourself. Tony is up next. Uh, hello, Tony. Good afternoon. Hey. What's up? I got a question. At the end of the uh, game, when the uh, Michigan player uh, fumbled the football right at the end zone, right. if that boy hadn't have tackled him and knocked him into the end zone, would that have been a safety? 
possibly. Well, I just wondered if that wouldn't have been a smart play to hit him and then knock him in there and then tackle him. Uh, that would have gave them probably the game. Yeah, they would have won the game. You're right. Yeah. Well, thank you for the I call. Don't... Appreciate it. Uh, Kevin is up next in Tennessee. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Paul. First time caller. Uh, thanks for all, all that you do. Thank you. A question about Ole Miss. I'm just kind of uh, interested in if you've got any insight on Quinshawn Judkins uh, entering the portal. First 11-game win season. A lot of people coming, you'd have thought he would have wanted to stay, so just curious. Uh, I think you're going let – me, let me tell you what I think you're going to hear, and then I'll give you some opinions. Uh, I think you're going to hear a lot of uh, bailing out on, on Quinshawn. Um, there were a lot of reports during the year that he was, he was injured, he wasn't injured, uh, which, which starts leading you to wonder what's really going on. Uh, to me, uh, I'm just guessing from a distance – I think this is a, purely a financial situation where he wanted something. Uh, a lot of big-time players are coming in there, as you know. He's the star, and suddenly uh, this happens a, a lot in a lot of businesses and a lot of places on a lot of football and basketball fields. He didn't feel like he was being respected, and he said, you know what, I'm out of here. So it's, it will be very interesting to see where he ends up, and I think once he commits somewhere else and signs, it may be able to tell this story a little bit better. Okay, yeah. I, but but I, I thought it was interesting that Kiffin, a couple of minutes later, uh, tweeted the picture of a, what, what was the, what kind of fish was it? It was a shark, and he said, catch and release. Uh, just an opinion here. Haven't talked to Kiffin. I don't think Kiffin's terribly <laughs> upset to see him go. Okay. Yeah, I'd always heard that uh, he and Jackson Dart were uh, pretty close friends, so I, I was surprised when Jackson said he was staying and then to hear this. But uh, thank you for your insight. Well, what, what you're really seeing here is you're, you're looking into the prism of every college football program right now. You've got the star. We all know. I mean, I mean, he started the season as the best running back in the SEC. And I was concerned. There were a couple of games where you really you didn't see him. Uh, you didn't see him very much. You didn't know whether he was going to play. And uh, the, the the murmurs all over the league were there were there were there was a lot of back and forth going on. So those things happen. Uh, he's a big loss. Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to bury the lead. Uh, he's regardless of what, what, whether this stuff is true or not. He he was an impactful player. Thank you very much for the call. Big O in Tennessee is up next. Uh, Paul, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, thank you. I am a, a, cord, a, a big Orange fan. I was pulling against Alabama, but the narrative that Saban got out coached and listening to the networks, I just, in watching the last half of that game where he made changes that stopped Michigan from moving the ball, where they did not score until the very end of the game, I think it's a little bit un, unfair. And uh, I'd like to hear your comments about that. I really believe that Alabama has their defense to blame for the loss of that game. They give up a score at the very end of that game, and then right after that, they let them score immediately in the overtime. And yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really uh, – I haven't had a chance to do it because, you know, coming back, 
and dealing with everything. Uh, I really want to watch this game again, uh, and I think it's a good, it would be a good idea. And Because I, I, when you're watching the game live, whether you're home or like we were being out there, you're not, you're not really capturing everything. You're also being influenced a lot by what, uh, what the announcers say. So I'm really eager to it. I, I think these are immediate questions people ask. Uh, is Saban, I mean, because Saban is Saban. So when he loses a game, is it his fault? Uh, Saban acted like it was all about, it was on Alabama. Uh, and I, I don't mean to say he didn't give Michigan credit, but I know Saban pretty well. Uh, he clearly uh, felt his team blew the game, not Michigan won the game. But, but that's, I, I, I felt the exact opposite. Um, he, he was there coaching it. I was just a, a lonely spectator. We'll take a short break. We come back with much, much more. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. And we are back and uh, really eager to uh, talk to Blake Topmeyer about his view of what happened Saturday, excuse me, Monday in Pasadena. He wrote uh, an amazing column about what happened on that final play. Blake, great to talk to you. Sorry I missed you out there. Let's, uh, let's, let's get to your column because uh, it was so interesting. Uh, we all wondered uh, at the game what was Alabama thinking, what was Tommy Reese thinking, but... Uh, as we say hello to you, break it down for us. You, you, you dug pretty deep into that, that momentous play that went bad for Alabama. Yeah, I went to the, the Michigan locker room after the game, Paul, and, and to a man, everyone I spoke to said that they fully expected Jalen Milrow would try to run for a score on that final play, and, and that shouldn't come as breaking news, right? I, as, as one of the players uh, even told me, they, he said he figured all the fans in the stands also expected Jalen Milrow to – to run it in on that final play. Um, you know, I, I think that that speaks to a little bit Alabama's limitations around the goal line this season. If you go back and look at it, Jalen Miller had no short yardage touchdown passes against FBS opponents all season. For as much as he improved and all the talent that he has, um, those short yardage red zone situations um, – you know, you, you you expect them to run it or hand the ball off, and, and it does limit Alabama, limit them further uh, with the offensive line limitations and the sna- the bad snaps that they had in the Rose Bowl. So I, I think everybody knew what was coming. 
Um, you know, we heard from Saban today, say it was supposed to be a runoff left tackle. Uh, Alabama didn't get it blocked. They didn't get the right snap. Milrow ran straight ahead and, and ran into his own man there. I mean, it, it really, I thought, encapsulated the whole game. I mean, Michigan dominated at the line of scrimmage for, for most of that game, and they dominated at the line of scrimmage on the game's final play. And, and Blake, I want to go back to something you, you said because you, you, you dug deep into Milrow uh, in that setting in terms of the likelihood that he would, he, would, he would go with an RPO or throw the ball. And you found out that uh, I think uh, maybe against one team this year in FCS, but against anybody else, he doesn't throw from that place on the field, does he? That's exactly right. Uh, he had two short yardage touchdown passes against Chattanooga. But if you put that FCS game aside, uh, in games against FBS opponents this year, he had no touchdown passes of less than 10 yards. That's just a phenomenal stat. Like I mean, he was a great deep ball artist and, and he, he does many, many things well. Um, but when it gets down close to the goal line, he's not going to throw it for a score. He's not going to have that play action four yard touchdown completion that we saw from JJ McCarthy at the end of the fourth quarter uh, that pushed it into overtime. That that's not been something in Jalen Milrow's arsenal up to this point. Now, I don't put it 100% on him. I, I think those short yardage touchdown passes uh, are a marriage of good play calling and proper execution. I mean, part of this does come down to your offensive coordinator, uh, I think, scheming up some, some short yardage plays that your, your quarterback feels comfortable uh, executing, you know, putting the ball in the air. And, and Alabama wasn't able to do that this year. It also comes down to your receivers being able to get separation. Uh, and your offensive line being able to block for a pass. And, um, you know, we, we saw throughout the year when Milrow was at his best, he was able to hit those deep shots and run the ball. Now, in the Rose Bowl, especially after halftime, he was really able to run it, and, and that reignited Alabama and, and, frankly, almost allowed them to win the game. I mean, they were, they were one stop there or one score away from winning the game despite all their limitations. And it was really built around Milrow being able to run it. But Michigan took away the deep shots. Uh, Alabama's receivers couldn't get separation downfield. I thought the pass coverage was, was really good on the perimeter downfield from Michigan. And when you take that away, it really does limit what Alabama can do because, yeah, as, as we're discussing here, those, those short yardage passing situations, particularly near the goal line, that's not what Milrow does. Talking to Blake Topmeyer, uh, one more question on that, then we'll, we'll expand the conversation. But uh, Tommy Reese began the year uh, really catching a lot of flack, and then he became everybody's favorite uh, genius boy wonder, and, and then it ended so badly. Just put into perspective, uh, at times, a chaotic first season for Tommy Reese. Yeah, I, I never really understood the, the, the uh, overcorrection, I thought, from some folks in, in my space to uh, – to hail uh, Tommy Reese as a genius, as you put it earlier, um, for taking a month into the season to determine, I think, what most of us knew all along. Jalen Miller was, was the best quarterback option, um, and, I, and I thought it took about four or five weeks into the season for Alabama and Tommy Reese to figure out what Jalen Milrow does well when you know, I think it should have been obvious from the start. So it was, it was kind of a false start out of the gates. I do think Tommy Reese, um, to his credit, had a pretty good last two months of the season, certainly. Um, I, I kind of question why it took so long to, 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 like I said, come to some realizations that I think most of us realized uh, by about week one. And, and then 
you know, in the biggest moment, I, I thought throughout the staff, you know, it wasn't just the offensive coordinator spot, but I, I thought, um, you know, staff to staff, Michigan looked like the better prepared team. I mean, certainly they were the team that executed better, but, um, you know, I thought the, the play calling on the Michigan side was, was highly, highly effective. We saw that in a couple touchdowns in the first half, um, really just, just great play calls that they executed perfectly on those two first half touchdowns. And, and Alabama really didn't have much answer beyond, you know, letting their quarterback run it, um, which part of that does come down to execution, though. I mean, when your offensive line is, is consistently getting beat as much as Alabama's was in the Rose Bowl, it does take away a lot of the things that you can do offensively. Blake, in full disclosure, I have no earthly idea what Nick Saban is, is about to do or will do or whether he comes back or spends the next 20 years coaching. Uh, we all have opinions. We all offer uh, various answers when, when specific questions come up. Saban today was asked about that. Uh, he responded uh, to the question about retirement. He said, because I'm getting old, I guess. And then he, he referenced the fact that players don't say commit to four years anymore. I, I don't know what I think a lot of people have drawn a lot into what he said but he, he did not really answer it definitively uh, earlier today. Where, where are you on what is now a parlor game about whether Nick Saban is going to coach 10 more years, five more years, or whether we've seen him for the final time? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the unsatisfactory answer is probably that about two or three people know the answer to that question. And, and sadly, Paul, I'm, I'm not one of those. <laughs> uh, you, you, you might... Uh, maybe you can get Nick on this, this show and he'll give you a more definitive answer. Although, as you said, he, he didn't give one earlier today when asked about it. But I think that's the situation uh, when you have a coach who's accomplished as much as he has and is at his age is that we all realize, you know, he's, he's at the point of his career where he could walk away at any moment. And I believe that it's not going to be the Coach K type of year-long send-off that we saw with Duke basketball. I mean, I could be wrong, but that just that doesn't seem like Nick Saban's style to me. I think whenever it does happen, um, it'll be pretty sudden and, uh, you know, kind of happen all at once, and we're not going to have this, this year-long farewell tour. I would be surprised if we have that. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be in this situation year after year, until it finally happens. And I think Saban is pretty fair to point out, like, you know, for a coach at, at this juncture of his career, at this juncture of his career, it is kind of crazy to, th to think we should expect a coach to commit to like five or 10 years in the future. Right. Like I, I believe him when he kind of indicates that it's, it's sort of a year by year situation with him. Um, you know, my gut tells me that we haven't seen the last of him. I, I think he's, he's still got, uh, you know, a few more seasons left in him. Do I know that for sure? No. And, and like I said, I think there's probably only a, a, a couple people on this planet in this moment right now that, that do know that. And, and I think they live in the Saban household. Yeah. And, and, and uh, he, it was clear that he was taking a, a day or two off or however long off. Uh, by the way, uh, how could you blame him? Uh, but it is a little different, though, that the old Nick Saban or actually the younger Nick Saban, Blake, not, not the older Nick Saban, Right. Wouldn't be talking like that, though. Uh, he would be out today doing something, trying to correct whatever deficiencies there were. Uh, and, I, and I just wonder about this state that he's in. I um, mean, he's, he's essentially doing grandpa jokes. Uh, he's bringing up his age, which everybody at a certain age starts. You know, mo most people I know, 
and I'm not that far away from him, uh, start making jokes even earlier because they, they, they have the, a hard time handling the end of their career or whatever. Saban, Saban's still at the pinnacle, and, and he did something this year, and I realize I'm asking a rather long question, that, that I think he takes great pride in. Uh, he stopped the three-peat from Kirby Smart, which means, in, in my mind, he didn't win the title, but he did pretty much everything else that was getting in his way as people were comparing his current state of where he is right now. Yeah, I guess I just I have a hard time seeing Saban going out with with a semifinal loss. Maybe maybe he does. I I, I don't think that uh, you know Nick Saban looks at it as well. I stopped Kirby, so I can I can ride off into the into the sunset now. I mean, I think that was something to your point that uh, he does take pride in, and he wanted to keep that three peat from happening. But when we when we go back and think about where we were a month ago. Um, you know, I don't think most of us looked at this team coming into the season as a national championship group. I didn't. Um, I, I thought this team had a lot of question marks and, and answered some of those and didn't answer others. It doesn't mean uh, that he doesn't have another national championship in him, though. I think if he decides he wants to do this for a few more years, uh, he, he does have another national championship in him. Does he still have that same fire that you know he had seven, ten years ago that you're, you're sort of alluding to? I think it would be a little unnatural in some ways if he did. Uh, most most people don't don't have that in life, right? When they when they reach his age, they, they, they the, the fires don't burn quite as hot as as what they did ten years previously. Um, despite all that, uh, you know, Alabama was was one fourth down stop away uh, in the Rose Bowl from winning that game and, and playing in the national championship, and, and we're having an all altogether different conversation. I I guess what I'm saying is despite an imperfect team um, and an imperfect performance in the Rose Bowl, we weren't that far away from Alabama and being in the championship. And I think there's a possibility that they could be better. His team could be better next year than they were this year. So to me, it would be a a bit of an unexpected time to hang it up, um, you know, after a semifinal loss when, when I think he's got a pretty good group next year and, and could make a better run at this thing. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never leave after losing to Jim Harbaugh. I agree with you on that. Uh, let me ask you just about the SEC next year. And I realize we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we're really not because the SEC is finished for this year. But uh, especially what we, what we saw today at Ole Miss, there's been so much speculation about Lane Kiffin uh, with what he's done in the portal, but he loses his best running back today. Your assessment of the SEC as we turn the page. Yeah, for, for Kiffin and Ole Miss, it was like three steps forward and now one step backward. Uh, I mean, it, it has been, you know, quite a haul for Lane in the, in the portal here these last few weeks. I mean, the, the so-called portal, portal king, I think, has done it better than, than he's ever done it in terms of acquiring transfer talent. Uh, all that said, I mean, Quinshawn Judkins, is, he, he's a great player. This is a notable loss, particularly uh, when you consider that Ole Miss's offense really is built around the run game. I mean, I think, it, you know, Kiffin's kind of the boy wonder when it comes to quarterback development. He has that reputation. Uh, but that's that's sort of a, a smokescreen a little bit for a guy who I think, you know, really likes to, to hang his hat uh, on having a bell cow running back. And so it is a notable loss that – said with everything they have coming in I think Ole Miss should be looked at as a top four team in the SEC uh, for next year I still think Georgia and Alabama are your two front runners Uh, they will have the best collection 
uh, of talent. And uh, behind that, you know, you have some ordering probably of, of Ole Miss, Texas. And then it gets a little bit murky after that, I think, Paul. I mean, normally we would slot LSU on that five line. But, I mean, Brian Kelly is at a fork in the roads moment here for his tenure. 20 wins through two seasons. I think that's fine. But year three is where the expectations ratchet up. And, um, you know, he looks around the room and it sees a lot of vacancies, some created by guys going to the NFL, others created by his firings of assistant coaches um, who, who, who weren't achieving in their roles. And so, you know, we saw Brian Kelly reboot in a new direction after a disappointing 2016 season at Notre Dame where he came back with new coordinators and a new starting quarterback the final the, the next year and, and reignited his, his Notre Dame tenure. Um, this is not directly comparable to that because LSU was better this year than Notre Dame was that year. But Kelly does find himself in the familiar situation of needing to replace his coordinators and his quarterback. Um, you know, and I think for, for us to go four teams deep, as I mentioned, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, and sort of an unofficial SEC pecking order for next year, although I could flip Georgia and Alabama. Um, it's interesting to me that LSU is not in that conversation, at least as I see it, until at least you get to the number five line. Um, and, and I think that's, that's ultimately not where they want to be uh, in Brian Kelly's third season. So, so Gray, I have, I have 15 more questions to ask you, but we'll get you back uh, in a couple of days. Thank you very much, Blake. Uh, outstanding job, uh, amazing column on the final play of the Rose Bowl. We will take a break here. More to come. Your phone calls around the corner. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And John is up next as we continue right here. Hey, John. Yeah, can you hear me? I sure can. Hey, how you doing, Paul? We are doing great. I'm, I'm actually, I just now, I've been a hoe for a while. I just got in here at work, uh, here at Shoal Creek. Yeah, I'm from Tulare, Alabama. Uh, yes, sir, I know the area. Yeah, it's pretty, it, yeah I'm, I'm originally from uh, it's Martin County. It's the far east you can go in Kentucky. That's, that's why I tell everybody, when, when I grew up, even though Kentucky had a college basketball team, it was all it was all basketball. I never heard of UK football like until I got old enough. But yeah. So you back home you, you were Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Bengals, and Ohio State. That was it. So uh, yeah, now that I'm down here, 
I can't get them hecked now because besides getting getting beat up, but <laughs> you know, I I just have to cry with them because I'm feeling the same thing. My Buckeyes, they would have been there if it wasn't for them Wolverines. I'm telling you. But I'm glad I finally got a hold of you, man. Well, John, you be well. You, uh, I know your area. You used to live right near where you are, so you take care of yourself. Uh, Peggy is up next. Peggy? Hey, Melly Kaliki Makapal. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's the last day I can say it. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, what's going on up here in UT, I'm trying to learn rest up on my Polynesian, my Hawaiian. Yeah, when I was out in Hawaii a couple of years um, ago, I, I I spoke the language well. Oh, really? Well, that's awesome, Paul. That's going to come in handy, I think. That yeah, well, and your and your your uh, other language, you know, a little bit of Appalachian, don't you? Well, uh, I don't speak uh, yeah, that on, well, Paul. though. But I, but I I, can, I have a good ear for it, having spent four years you up there. Under, I mean, you understand it. Oh you, yeah. You, oh you oh no doubt. I, I do understand it. Yeah, you understand it well. You you uh, you can speak with us, at, but you know, yeah, I, I, you, I, you get it. Yes. And I learned how to say Nico, and his last name. E. Amaliaba. That is great. Thank you, Paul. And I'm going to got one more thing to tell you, and this will surprise you. Uh, you were such an inspiration, man. I'm going to tell you, I, I thought about it and thought about it. And so I thought, why not? If I don't do it now, I never will do it. What else have I got to do? I went online and I applied. To, I'm going to take some online courses. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.